the biggest mistake that buyers make. Stay tuned. Yes, I have to say, they're, they're, good morning. Good morning, Lisa Novak. Good morning. Oh, we've got a, a fly or something in the car. Um, the, you know, there is a definite pattern with the mistake. Oh, did you get it? I think so. Um, that's from your scout days, I reckon, Mark. No, no, that was from my Karate Kid days. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. I used to be able to catch it with a chopstick. Oh, did you? But as I got older, my reflex got a bit, a little bit less. Like, and the like Mister Miyagi kept it up, but and, I didn't. And the sight, and the sight went. Um, but there's a definite pattern of. Um, I mean, you've been in real estate for a very, very long time, Mark. Two hundred and sixty-four years. Yeah. So, but there is there is a definite mistake, uh, not a mistake, but there's a definite pattern that I see working in sales, transacting a lot of properties that buyers make. Um, and I would have to say one of them, and we're going to break this down this morning for you guys, but one of them is the lack of speed and communication between the buyer and the real estate agent. That's probably one of the biggest mistakes that I see that buyers make when they're looking to secure a property and they don't get a property. Um, and the other is not following the lead of the real estate agent. I think a lot of buyers think that the real estate agent's going to lead them into this deep, dark place and that we're just trying to do a hard sell. But we always have to act in the best interests of our vendors. Um, so, you know, following the lead of a great, experienced real estate agent is going to be a really, really great piece of advice that I'm going to add to this segment, wouldn't you say? Yep. I wouldn't disagree with my wife. <laughs> what else have you got to say on the topic, Mark? My one that I see with, with purchases is the reluctancy to actually make the purchase when you, that people have easily got the capacity. And I can see from a mile away who can afford to buy something um, easily um, and they never do. They've got the income. They've got the savings. Yeah. Um, and I can have dis – I'm thinking about one discussion I had yesterday. I've been talking with this young gentleman for probably eight to ten years. Um, from day one, he had the capacity to purchase as a wonderful business um, from day one. And I just thought to myself, like, if he just got in and purchased that property, um, he – like, what I find is he was always thinking, you know – this particular particular areas, particular type of property, particular, particular, whereas if he lowered his expectations and just looked at it as an engine yeah. to move him into the dream of what's in his mind, he would have been up $300,000. And wow. it wouldn't have cost him much at all. I don't think, I, I dare to say nothing along the way with the way he would have had negative gearing, he would have had rent coming in. Um, and I do have to say, he's he just felt like he had so much going on in business and in life yeah. at every single point that I spoke to him. Always agreed with him. He's like, yep, I've got to do it. Yep, I've got to do it. I know it's really important. But 
X, Y, Z, but A, B, C, D. But you know, there was always something different. Yeah, so I think yeah. that just putting stuff off for later, it's just dangerous. Not only that, but I think a lot of buyers, um, you know, believe that they've got to um, spend an enormous amount of time doing their due diligence. Not to say that if you're a buyer and you're watching this, you should not do your due diligence. You absolutely should. But a lot of buyers don't realise there's actually two ways you can purchase a property. One is, and I must, I reckon I explain this. In fact, I'm going to do a video on it because a lot of buyers don't realise, a lot of sellers don't realise there's two ways that you can purchase, the two most common ways. One is with what we call a five-day cooling off period. So you put down a 0.25% deposit of the agreed purchase price um, and we exchange the contracts on what's called a five-day cooling off period. Yeah five business days. Now, what's the five business day cooling off period for? It's so that you can do your due diligence, so that you can get your contract reviewed by your solicitor or conveyancer, so that you can um, formalise your finances. A lot of buyers are walking around with pre-approvals um, and the banks or the lenders want to see that exchanged contract of sale before they go giving their formal approval. Yes. Um, the other one is during that duration of time, you get your pest and building reports done or um, you, uh, you you get that reviewed. You get a strata report reviewed. Um, so they're, they're the main things. And then you pay the balance of your deposit during that five-day cooling off period. They're the main things that that cooling off period is for. The other way is what we call unconditional. That's where it's assumed like that you've, love. it's like love. That's right. Um, so it's where you know you. It's assumed that you have um, already had your contract reviewed by your solicitor or conveyancer. You've done all your due diligence and you've got your unconditional approval. Yes. You put down your deposit, usually five percent these days, and we exchange unconditionally with what's called a Section 66W from the purchaser's conveyancer or solicitor. Um, where I see things, again, just go a little bit pear-shaped with buyers is they get all that due diligence done and then they put their offer in. I had this yesterday and um, the buyer really, he almost missed out on a property. I had three bidders there or three three people putting offers in and he was like, oh, my conveyance is not available. I want them reviewing the strata report. And I'm like, listen, you're doing things you're putting, you're putting the, the, the carriage before the horse. You'll have time to do that due diligence. Get your offer in first. So speed and convenience, I find, is actually the best way forward when you are trying to secure a property. I've got a real beef with, with, with my one that I'm talking about today. Yeah. I'm really angry about it. With what? People procrastinating on purchasing. Yep. That's my biggest that's my biggest beef with what buyers don't do. Um You're saying buyers do procrastinate. They just yeah. Yeah, they, they just do, yeah. They don't do it, they don't do it, they don't do it, they procrastinate. Um and I gotta say, and I d I don't mean to talk talk it up, but I've done good from property. Real good. Um the first property I bought when I was um eighteen, um, still own it. Second property I bought when I was nineteen, still own it. Um, third property I bought at um, 20, still own it, uh, and, and kept up a pattern of buying properties and not selling them. When people talk with me about, about buying something, yeah, I, I got it's this simple, guys. I find that 
uh, operating table, doctor. People want to get on the operating table. That operating table is the doctors are the real estate agent. The doctors are these days even the most important doctor, the, the broker. Uh, the doctors are the accountants. There's like four doctors around the operating table to buy a property and uh, accountant, uh, broker, real estate agent, solicitor, conveyancer. Yeah. And what I find is people are very reluctant to walk up to the table and lie on the table. And where the magic really happens is when you're willing to stay on the table if the operation is not a success. And what I mean by that is a buyer will go, yeah, nah, you know, I've, I've, you know, and then they may ring a broker and it sort of doesn't work out, doesn't yeah. happen. And I wanted to give a real life example today. Um, at the moment, the art of purchasing a property is financing the property. It's not particularly the property. I could get, not agree more. Right? It's not particularly Couldn't the, agree the more. type of property you buy or yeah. the suburb or district you buy in the asset, the type of property class that you're buying in the price point, it's just plain old getting the money. And I had some brokers, some weapon brokers um, sitting with me on Wednesday. And these guys, yeah. these guys do the the big end of town. All the develop, a lot of the developers in town will use these guys. Super, super smart. And what I liked is when I sat opposite him, he brought me this product. And again, I'll put myself on, I think I know, like, yeah. I know that funding side pretty well. But I submitted and I put myself on the operating table and I listened to them. They had this product here, which I thought was very, very cool. Can you see this? Have a good look at it, kids. And if you wanna, if you wanna ring me up and ask me for it or message me for it. And the reason I'm putting this here is if you've got an ABN and you've had it for a year, you can buy in the company name and they do not look at your your current assets and liabilities as a person. Yeah. So they don't look at what, what you own, what you uh, don't own. They don't look. So the, all of that personal liability is off the table because where a lot of people are falling short with funding at the moment is they can't get the loan. They can't get the loan because the bank looks at their house. They own, they go, no, you, you, you know, you're in it. You're in a little bit, little bit deep, but when you look at this funding and the way these guys structure it, seven point two percent to eight percent. That's about the interest rate. Ten twenty percent deposit down, and they look at they. It, it's called a low doc loan, and people thought low doc loans died, you know, two, three, four years ago. Bottom line, if you put yourself on that table, you will get the loan. You look really bored just then. No, I'm just, yeah, because you've gone into talking about the finance thing. But it is a big part of, Mark seems to lose me when he starts talking numbers, but it is it is a huge part of beca of being a buyer. And we are always, oh, absolutely. No, no. Getting a loan, not getting a loan. Actually, I wasn't, I wasn't bored. Someone walked past and I was just having a look where, if he was walking up to our car. I didn't. I thought I, it was I didn't. I didn't know that you had the capacity to buy a property and, yeah. they, and they don't look, because a lot of people, um, when you're assessing people at 10%, which is what banks are doing at the moment, because say the rate's 6 or 7%, they put 3% on top. A lot of people don't qualify to get the loan, but you do qualify if you have an ABN. But I have look, to, and, that is, and it is look, interesting. It is look, interesting. I know. Brokerage, good guys. Yeah, they are. They are good guys. Weapon. Um, I do want to say, though, that a lot of buyers are walking around with their pre-approvals and they think they've got all the time in the world. And I see that buyers play this thing called the waiting game. 
and they're always waiting for something. So this is a huge amount of buyers that I deal with and they go, oh, we're just going to wait because of the pandemic. We're just going to wait because of the interest rates. We're just going to wait because there's more stock coming on the market. We're just going to wait because of the mortgage cliff. Um, what a lot of buyers don't realise, as Mark said, is this is a numbers game. And if you've got your finance approved, you should be going out and you should be buying property. Because the biggest mistake, one of the biggest mistakes that I see buyers make is they let the pre-approval lapse and then they go, oh, that's okay. We're just going to go back and just get the, re the, the loan reinstated again. And the lender goes, that's fine. Where you had $1 million to spend, now we're just going to give you $800,000. Um, and then the market went up, their loan capacity went down, and all of a sudden they're out of the market. And, you know, the, the house that they thought that they were going to buy all of a sudden became a two-bedroom apartment because that's all they could afford. Um, the other thing is, is that buyers come through and they're looking to tick 10 out of 10 boxes. They believe in love at first sight and they think that, that the property that they walk into, they've got to feel it and it's got to be absolutely perfect and it's got to face the right way and have views and have a big outdoor area and massive bedrooms and tick, 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 tick. I just want to say, guys, in all the transactions I've ever done, I have never had any buyer walk into any property and go, this is the property that we love. We absolutely have to have it. Sorry, I shouldn't say never. It has happened once or twice in my entire career. Um, but does it happen ordinarily? No, there's, there's no light bulb moment. And I'm always saying, if it ticks seven of your 10 boxes, you actually found the perfect property. Yeah, and, and and again, back to that funding side of it and supporting what you're saying with, say, for instance, first home buyers, people don't realise that you can get the first home buyer incentive. You don't have to live in the property um, in that first 12 months. You've got to live in that property within 12 months. It's a trick. So what you can do is you can have it rented out for the first six months. Well, three and months, if there's a tenant already in there, eleven months, the tenancy stays in place. The tenant, get on top of the get on top of the mortgage, get used to it, then moved in. Now, what not a lot of people realise either is that you can first home buyers can actually get the first home buyer incentive, enjoy the property, and then rent it out. So you, the property doesn't have to be the perfect place to live. You just whack a tenant in there after you've triggered the first home buyer staying there long enough, and then you just go and rent what you want. Yeah. Live how you want. The other thing, guys, that I do want to point out is having a great solicitor or conveyancer on your side is an absolute golden opportunity. So last night I was trying to pull a deal together. It was about 9.45 p.m. And the vendor solicitor was on the phone to me um, and we were going through some of the contract amendments at 9.45 at night because we were ready. I was ready for my vendor in the event we were able to do this exchange very, very quickly. Unfortunately, the purchaser's solicitor wasn't available at that time of night because we could have pulled this together. So, but that is everything. A lot of solicitors and conveyances will clock off at five o'clock um, and that's absolutely their prerogative. But understand that that could be the difference of securing a property or not securing a property. I'm always saying to my clients um, when they're looking for a great solicitor or conveyancer, 
they are just as important, if not more so, than finding a great real estate agent because a lot of solicitors and conveyances will literally switch off at five o'clock. There's a landline and that is it. Um, I'm, you know, we, we're always referring, and we don't refer easily, but we're always referring to the guys and girls that will work outside of business hours because that is when the vast majority of our deals get done. They get done at night and they get done on the weekends. So finding a great solicitor or conveyancer is absolutely key as is working alongside a great broker, someone who will be available to you outside of hours. I mean, I, I was working on this deal yesterday, Mark, from early in the morning until late last night. Um, and again, you know, if the purchaser's solicitor had been available, we probably would have been able to pull this together at midnight last night. We were all working. So if you just tuned in, we're talking about the mistakes that buyers make. In conclusion, what I would say about my piece from today, I'll say it again, when you are a buyer, put yourself on the operating table. The operating table is, I'm going to purchase a property. Do not take yourself off the operating table until the job is done. Yeah. Submit to your doctors, which is your, your, a, great, a good broker. Don't, you can switch them around mid-operation if you want. Uh, a good real estate agent, a good solicitor, uh, and a good accountant until you get that property. A lot of people just, I speak to like the guy yesterday, don't get off that table and they end up, um, you know, 10 years goes by or five years goes by, 15, they just never end up buying anything. And they've got great excuses. They've got great excuses. Yeah. I couldn't get it because of that or, you know, you know, the COVID hit or, oh my God, the interest rates are a bit higher. They've got great excuses not to buy, but at the end of the day, you didn't get the chicken. And understand, guys, a property remains on the market until it is exchanged, right? This purchaser was saying to me yesterday while he's taking a huge amount of time to do his due diligence and has every right to do so, all you need is another buyer to swoop in with their um, offer on a contract. One buyer. One buyer. And I can't tell you how many times this happens to swoop in and go, there you go, there's a signed contract. I'm ready to exchange unconditionally. Even if the dollars aren't there, make it look so easy for the vendor and go unconditional. There's the offer. I'm ready to sign an exchange immediately. And the deal is done while that buyer is taking their time to do all of their due diligence. Anyway. Friday frenzy. Anything else to say before you go? Um, HSC, HSC done this week. The yeah, the ATAR came out yesterday. Yes. Yep. It was uh, it was an interesting interesting experience actually. So our youngest daughter finished her HSC. She got her ATAR. She got into her uni degree. So she's very happy. Um, I don't know whether or not they actually marked really hard this year, but she's actually in a group of very very smart friends. Um, and uh, some of them got under where they were hoping to get, but everyone got into their uni degrees, which is the main thing. But it's funny, isn't it? Because as you grow older, um, you realise that you actually talk about the mark for maybe a day, maybe a week, when you're 17, 18 years of age, finished your HSC, and then you don't really ever talk about it ever again. Well, something that I said today, as an employer, I've been employing people for 20 years, I have never asked someone their HSC result. No. You know, no. there's so much. There's so much more aspects to a good human 
I agree. And actually, I was really... I was but her daughter far, got a great result. She got a great result. We're not, but make, I, we're not making excuses. No, no. I was actually far more impressed, I'll be honest, about the reference that the school gave to her, which was an absolutely glowing reference. There's so much more for these kids. And I, I read that, and I was, like, thoroughly impressed with that. I was like, yeah. wow, that's something that you could literally put in front of an employer and get into pretty much anything you want with a glowing review like that. Um, she did really, really well. So congratulations to everyone. No yeah. doubt there was some kids out there that were absolutely elated and there were some kids out there that were heartbroken. I was watching some of the people were, were putting their reactions up on TikTok, yeah. the kids, when they were getting their marks. Um, but I just want to say... I put something on LinkedIn about about being a good human, uh, which was what, what, I, what I gave to my daughter. So have a look at that. Because I saw that. I, I think there's, I, you know, uh, I, chat GPT helped me as to the, the, eight, the eight things that round a good human. And I said that, that to my daughter. And I think it's really important, guys. It, and guess what? It didn't say anything about the ATAR or the HSC results in that. So it's that, that ATAR is one, of, uh, is one of many things that makes up a great kid. Yeah. And if you are disappointed and you're a parent that's watching this or if you're, a, you know, you've just finished doing your HSC, guys, please understand it definitely does not define you. It honestly, honestly doesn't. It is a drop in the ocean in your life. Um, I can tell you that Mark and I, um, you know, we, we believe that we are successful in our lives and that doesn't have anything to do with money, although we have worked hard and done very well for ourselves as a result. But I'm talking about holistically, family, friends, um, relationships, everything. Kids. Um, kids, without a doubt. Um, it doesn't define you. It honestly doesn't. Some of the most successful people that we know in our lives um, and I, again, I'm not just talking about money. I think people think money, success, and they go hand in hand. Everyone defines success differently. But, um, you know, failed at school. And if you just look it up and have a look at some of the most successful people in our world, they actually did fail at school. So please understand it doesn't define you, but um, we do hope that everyone was really happy with their results. And congratulations just on completing your schooling. I can't tell you the amount of people that we see that start something. We call it walking the grey line and then they slip off the edge. Um, so congratulations on starting and finishing something. That's an enormous accomplishment. 12 years. Enormous accomplishment. Into the yep. big world. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. And it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It is. Absolutely. So we're now moving into the Christmas period. Yes. Um, it's gotten busier. One more week. Hasn't gotten quieter. Nope. It definitely hasn't gotten quieter, but let's see what the week ahead brings. Um, the weather's great. Make sure that you do stop to smell the roses and just, you know, in the weeks ahead and enjoy your time with your family and friends. That's very important. Wow. Love that. <laughs> That's it. See That's you guys. Wrap. Love you. See you. Bye.